Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Tasty Grubs by Tasty Worms Nutrition are the original dried black soldier fly larva made right here in the USA. Tasty Grubs are high in protein and calcium, vital nutrients for laying hens. Customers have reported an increase in shell quality, egg taste, and a reduction in molting time. For a limited time, get a bag of Tasty Grubs 100% free. Simply enter 
tastyworms.com forward slash whisper into your web browser and add one to your cart today. Save 10% on all other products such as dried mealworms by entering the coupon code whisper at checkout. That's tastyworms.com forward slash whisper. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty. Thank you so much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We do have an awesome show lined up for you today. We've got poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She's going to be talking about really the difference between raising meat birds and raising layers from baby chicks. And, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it, for, for a lot of newbies, it can be something they just don't think about. They go into the feed store and they just, Know that, oh, yeah, we want some layers, we want some meat birds. They're all about the same size. They're about two or three days old. They're in the uh, in the little bins and the brooders at the feed stores. They get them, they take them home, put them all in the same brooder, and then they start feeding them, and they're like, mm, wow, I've got some that are growing a lot faster because they made a pick up some Cornish cross broilers, and, you know, in six weeks they're ready to eat, you know, five, five and a half, maybe six pounds, and then uh, – you still got the little layers that at about six or eight weeks are just about ready to maybe go outside, depending on uh, where you live in the country. Uh, but still, none, not anywhere near that. Wow, these birds sure are pooping a lot. Man, they sure are eating a lot. They sure are growing fast. But I got some runts here. I wonder if those are just sick. So you can see how um, if if they don't do the research, if uh, they're they're newbies, there can be a difference, and there is. 
uh, in, in raising some meat birds versus layers from the age of, you know, baby chicks. So we're going to get into all that today in just a few minutes, and um, it's going to be great. So while I'm yapping and telling you about the upcoming tour, you can get that pen and paper out, and uh, so you can take some notes when I bring on the true expert, Dr. McRae. So, uh, hey, we're getting all packed. We are hitting the road. We are launching, I guess you might say, on Saturday morning on the 2017 Skin Whisperer Tour sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds, and we're going to be going into, I believe it's six states now, uh, up in the northeast. We've got events in Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York, and Connecticut. So we're looking forward to that trip, and we've already got the truck about half-packed. We're not doing the RV thing this time since we're doing these events back-to-back. The whole entire tour will last about three weeks. I think we're doing 10 or 11 events, and uh, we have weekends off, of course, so it'll be Monday to events Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for about three weeks in a row. And then we'll head back down here to the warm south. So uh, but it looks like it's not going to be too bad when we get up that way, but it's going to be fun. we got magazines. Everybody who attends the event gets a free Chicken Whisperer magazine. They get a free calendar from USDA with pictures of beautiful, beautiful birds um, that a lot of my listeners have submitted to the USDA of their flock and their favorite birds. And so uh, everybody gets a calendar. Everybody gets a beautiful spiral-bound biosecurity notebook. It's awesome. Um, there'll be books for purchase. I'll autograph them. There's questions and answers. There's um, pictures. I love doing the pictures with the uh, with the kids and the fans. And then, of course, about an hour and a half of pure workshop, pure speaking of, of uh, education, all about getting started with backyard poultry. And, of course, at the end, we wrap it up with one of my favorites, blog busters, where we take things that are out there on the popular chicken blogs and we debunk them and um, tell you that, uh, uh, you know, there's a big term going around now that's become very common called fake news. And um, I'm, I'm starting to kind of maybe label some of these chicken blogs fake news uh, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, some some are pretty good, but uh, at the same time, uh, to the, some of the popular chicken blogs, we have material for my upcoming book for next year, um, Factor Chicken Poop, and, of course, the website, Factor Chicken Poop. So uh, very interesting there. Uh, fake news, I think, is probably uh, a good way to categorize some of them. So, uh, But, yeah, looking forward to the tour. That's a great part of the tour. People enjoy that because they're like, oh, I read that, and I thought it was true. Oh, I read that, and, you know, I did it, and it didn't do anything, and and that type of thing. So we always end up the uh, speaking engagement with um, fact or chicken poop or blogbusters, we call it. So it's going to be a great tour, and um, there's a couple of fun things we got planned as well for the kids. You know, we travel as a family, uh, four-year-old, five-year-old, mom and dad. But we're not taking the uh, RV this time. We will hotel it, but we got some cool things planned for the kids uh, while we're on in route. And we normally normally try to do that. Uh, children's museum, zoo. Uh, aquariums, um, different maybe theme parks or something like that. So uh, um, we really enjoy that. So, uh, hey, without further ado, uh, we've already gone through one commercial break. We'll break again about 40 past an hour and do our second commercial break. But let's go over here to the phone lines, and we'll bring on our good friend, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. Hey, Bridget, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Andy. How's it going? It's a going. I think I'm coming down with something. Everybody in that no. what? Even Caleb actually had it, and Lily's had it, I think, twice, and then Mom's had it 
once, and uh, I actually oh. did not have it. And then I woke up this morning with a little scratchy throat, thinking maybe it was just I slept with my mouth open and breathed in some cold air, and it's now it's irritated. But uh, here it is a few hours later, and it's uh, not going away, and it's getting a little, progressing a little bit worse. Oh. So, yeah, so Zinc lozenge, next, that would be my tactic. Yeah, the, the next four or five days aren't going to be fun for uh, uh, CW in the house, that's for sure. I think I'm just going to just oh. take down and chill out and, and let it run. Chicken soup. And, that's all I can say. Yeah, got some got some chicken soup and a little bit of meds and just kind of <laughs> hang out. Very interesting. And and those of you who listen to me. Did you get some nasty one. weather yesterday? Uh, you know, we escaped it. We're in the northeast Georgia mountains, and so literally uh, Monday and yesterday we might have heard about five or six claps of thunder all day and never really got high winds, but it rained most all day. So we escaped. You have to be kidding me. How did you get out of all this? It was crazy. And we saw some actually kind of come towards us and then it would split to the right and split to the left. Even the farmhouse uh, down uh, where our our home is, um, we, um, talk to some neighbors and they're like, you know, we got a lot of rain and got some loud thunder and lightning, but nothing really substantial. Most of it was even south of that, um, where a lot of the big big stuff went through. So yeah, we were very fortunate. Yeah. Well, I had quite the wake up call yesterday morning. I was at a beautiful facility at a conference and at five o'clock in the morning, golly, the sky opened up. <laughs> I was like, well, yes, I'm back in Alabama. But now it's affecting Delaware, so hope my homestead's doing fine. Yeah, it's uh, Well. Uh, I saw one of the local news guys here in, out of Atlanta, the chief meteorologist at one of them. He had uh, posted a, a post or a meme or whatever that Georgia, to date, 2017, Georgia has recorded more confirmed tornadoes than any other state in the country in 2007. Really? Wow. Like, oh, my God. You guys are such a bunch of overachievers. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. And so people kind of look at it as kind of strange. We were putting in a tornado shelter down at the farmhouse after we moved in about six years ago, like tornado shelter. And uh, that was about the time we started seeing more and more and more. And here we are uh, beating out everybody else in the country with the number of tornadoes <laughs> this year. So uh, yeah, we, we don't we don't we don't we don't play we don't play around here. We when we when we have a goal, we have a goal. We try to achieve that goal, good or bad. But yes, I'm sure maybe Oklahoma and May will surpass us out there in the you know the, the yeah. real tornado. Yeah, it's a little early. It's a little early. So uh, but as of right now, we hold the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me to speak about folks who maybe have accidentally ended up with a, a mystery chick or um, didn't know what they were getting into because the feed store wasn't clear or, you know, there's a whole slew of situations where you can end up with a mixed group of chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are, what, T minus 10 days to Easter? So, you know, mistakes are bound to happen. Um, If you have accidentally um, or, you know, intentionally gotten a group of chicks that are 
you know, both slow growing and fast growing, you might want to start thinking about making accommodations for the the slower growing set. Um, so you asked me to talk about brooding. Um, just I'm going to talk about a little bit on prevention for those who unintentionally end up with two different sets of chicks. Now, laying hens tend to grow much more slowly than meat birds if the meat birds have been selected for uh, fast-growing meat production. Even if they haven't been selected for fast-growing meat production, they're still going to grow bigger faster. Uh, there, there are some medium and slow-growing strains. They tend to be a little bit calmer. Uh, their main focus will be on the food that you provide them with. Uh, so having more of those chickens uh, in a group can be a plus and it can be a negative. The plus is they're probably not going to be the most aggressive early on. Uh, once they get to a certain size, however, they're going to figure out quickly that, you know, they can pretty much bean any of the other ones in the same coop and be the boss. And at other times, because when you select a bird for fast growth or for meat production, you're also selecting for a decreased aggression. So they may be a little bit food aggressive. They they may, you know, want to be first one up to the feeder. But the rest of the time, sometimes the other chickens can kind of gang up on it because they're not fast movers. They can't get away as quickly. So like I said, there were there's pluses and there's negatives to this situation. So as far as prevention, when you're at the feed store, you want to ask a bajillion questions. Uh, what is the breed? Is this for meat or for egg production? Is it a bantam? Is it a large fowl? There's nothing sadder than seeing one lone bantam chick amongst a whole bunch of Cornish uh, Cornish crosses. And the thing is just you know, it can barely make two inches in height, and these chickens that it's in with are towering above it. Yes, they may be the same species, but, you know, that's not, not exactly a, a fair situation. Situation. So if you can, select all the same um all the same type of bird. If you're going to choose bantams, then choose all bantams. If you're going to choose meat birds, choose all meat birds. If you're going to choose egg layers, choose all egg layers. Part of that reason is that you're going to need to adjust the height of your equipment, both in the brooder and where they grow up. And if you've got a tiny two-inch bantam chick that maybe grows a quarter-inch a week next to a broiler chicken, which is designed to quadruple its size in the first <laughs> week. Yeah, somebody's going to get crushed. So, you know, it may be fun or it may seem like fun to get a variety to choose from, or it could be absolute disaster. All right, so a Cornish cross or a Ross or a Cobb. 
um, any of those names, um, sometimes Hubbard um, or Arbor Acres may be names that you hear thrown around for meat birds. Um, those broilers or roasters or jumbo Cornish or Cornish cross um, may be terms that you see uh, listed on boxes that are at the feed store selling chicks. So those are birds, if, you, if you're doing a traditional broiler chicken, they should be done in, you know, six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Uh, you can't really go farther out than that without maybe feed restricting the bird a little bit, which, you know, you kind of have to think, well, is that really fair to this bird that's been designed to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow? So you need to have a plan that you are prepared to execute and have everything lined up before you even get the chicks. So you need to know that, you know, in seven weeks they go to the processing. I've got to have my schedule cleared for that, and I need to let them know that I'm coming, see if they have an opening for me, um, and how many do I need to get to make it worth my time, so on and so forth. All right, as far as, like, say, bantams, which bantam is a size, uh, large fowl is another size. Large fowl chickens and bantam chickens can get along. Uh, however, bantam chickens are going to grow much more slowly and probably need uh, fewer height adjustments as often as large fowl birds. Uh, for broiler chickens, Almost two or three times a week, you're going to be adjusting the height of your feeders and your waters to accommodate these these rapidly growing birds. And so you're going to leave behind these slower growing birds as you adjust the height for the broilers so that you're not dealing with a constant mucky mess due to water height. Uh, you know, you've got to also... Uh, bring in maybe an extra brick for a smaller chick to stand on. Uh, find something, uh, maybe a different type of feeder so that uh, it may be uh, it's something that the, the bigger Cornish can't get into. Um, but the other chicks that are slower growing and smaller have a very easy option to turn to so that they don't feel like they have to fight these bigger birds, which means more equipment to clean and probably more feeders to fill, more feeders to have knocked over. <laughs> so just make the accommodations if you have accidentally ended up with these other birds. Other things to consider, um, chicks that have um, obstructions on them, like, say, feathered feet or crests. Um, sometimes, you know, these, these bigger birds, they don't realize they're stepping on the other bird, or sometimes they're just so mellow they don't care. So if you've got, like, say, a cochin in with a, a cornish, the cornish could be stepping on the cochin's feathers by their feet, and that cochin, due to the weight of the cornish, is pinned to the spot because <laughs> the, the cornish doesn't know that it's not standing on shaving, standing on its buddy. 
I've seen all these scenarios. <laughs> and birds with crests, um, it's it's almost an opposite situation. Birds with crests, um, until that crest really grows in at about a year of age, can kind of seem intimidating, it appears, to the, the Cornish. It's like something doesn't compute in their brains, and they kind of find these, these birds a little... Like I said, intimidating. Um, so it's it's a, a little bit of an opposite situation. Sometimes they'll they'll peck at the other birds and pull out some of the feathers on top of their their heads, but usually it grows back in. You might have to to deal with a a, a bloody feather or something like that, though. Mm, let's see, feeders and waterers. Um, the hardest part about keeping chickens is dealing with the mess. And dealing with the mess is important because it can cause um, diseases, uh, parasites, internal parasites, external parasites, uh, viral or bacterial diseases. And so a lot of what we suggest for biosecurity purposes also helps you just keep a, a cleaner, more manageable coop so you avoid these situations. And if you can separate out as quickly as possible uh, your Cornish from your other breeds, great. If you only have one Cornish and and a bunch of other uh, le- um, meat, uh, I'm sorry, egg type chickens, then probably your Cornish will be pretty miserable all by itself, and you might need to keep them together. But put a separator between them. A piece of clear plastic or maybe some chicken wire that they're not going to hurt themselves on. But you don't need, a Cornish doesn't need a ton of space. But it's going to defecate a lot and it's going to eat a lot. It does tend to lumber around a great deal and run into things, including its own feeder and water. So if you can adjust the height on those so that they're not uh, able to knock them over, like, say, hanging them, you don't even have to put a screen over the top of the the brooder where you brood a Cornish. They're not flyers. Yes, that's a huge breast muscle on front of those birds, but they're going to stay wherever the food is. So if you've got one, you can just, as long as they are visually in sight of the other birds, you can separate them, but... Um, unless you need to protect it from a a family house cat or a family dog or family ferret for that matter, uh, you can can leave the top of that brooder open for that Cornish. As I said, they defecate a great deal. As you might be aware, a lot of people clean with like a little doggy pooper scooper their coops every day. With a Cornish, you might be doing that two or three times a day just to manage the waste situation. Um, When you are designed to eat a lot, you have a lot of rapid pass-through, and they do utilize that food, um, but we're, we're mammals and they're avians and both of us don't fully utilize every ounce of the food that we eat on a daily basis. There is going to be waste. 
So for your, your Cornish, you need to think about that. Um, how are you going to, to keep it warm and comfortable? Um, they do put out a lot of heat. Um, one of the things that one of my 4-H'ers said when she ended up with some some Cornish accidentally, she's like, they're always hot. She says she picks up her her show chickens and they're you know, covered in feathers and she doesn't really feel the skin and how warm their bodies are. Whereas with Cornish, you're designing this bird for meat production and a bird that's putting energy into making a ton of feathers isn't what you want. So there's a lot more exposed skin on a Cornish. And because they grow fast and they're designed to be eating machines, it's a great way for them to dissipate heat is through skin that doesn't have a lot of feathers on it. We call that a teroli or uh, feather-free portions of skin, sections of skin. Um, and so when my 4-H'er was picking them up, she was like, gosh, they're hot. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they, that's one of the features of being a bird is that you run at a higher body temperature. So just know that they may feel warmer, but it may just be more that you're able to, to come in contact with their skin and you realize it better. For your egg-laying chicken, um, you're going to want to feed them a diet of starter for about, oh, six to eight weeks. Well, didn't I just say that was about the entire lifespan of a broiler chicken? <laughs> So your your feeding regimen is going to be entirely different. And it really is kind of a, a lot of people really have a hard time spending money to buy the right diet for just one or two meat chickens if they got accidentally thrown in with the uh, egg layers. But you really do have to tend to their needs. A meat-type chicken will be on a starter diet for probably, oh, a couple of weeks, 10 days maybe. Then you're going to switch them to a grower diet. Well, you know, some feed is expensive, and you're going to pay closer to, to $20 a bag. Um, however, I know Kalmbach feed is a little more affordable. And so for you to switch to a a grower is what you want to do until – you know, maybe the last week of that meat chicken's grow out. That very last week of their grow out, they need to be switched to something that's called a finisher. Well, they're not going to eat, if two or three birds are not going to eat 50 pounds of feed, and so you're going to have some left over. You can hang on to that and give it to your other chickens when they reach the grower stage. Um, they do make broiler starter diets. They tend to be a little more expensive in the specialty products. But if you find that this is your thing and you like a, a project that's done in two months, this may be the, the right thing for you. Uh, but the finisher is going to be really kind of hard to find, and you're going to probably have to special order that, um, knowing that it will take about a week to get in. So you're going to have to plan ahead and place that order maybe two or three weeks before you need to use it. So about the time you're taking them off, the 
a starter diet, you need to be ordering your finisher diet and have it on hand in time. In the meantime, you'll be working with the grower diet. If you can't get a finisher diet, then keep them on the grower diet until it's time to process your chicken. The whole time, you're going to be looking at these egg layers and you're going to be going, gee whiz, guys, you're so active and you're so noisy and you're running around and and are you eating enough? Don't stress. Your egg layers are going to be much more gregarious because when you select a chicken for egg production, you select for increased um, aggression, um, which can be translated into they run around and peck each other a whole bunch. So that can be um, a little off-putting to some people. It's it's not necessarily a bad thing. They figure out their hierarchy after they're about, oh, six weeks old. That's when they establish a peck order for males and a peck order for females. So you'll see them sorting these things out. And then at about six or eight weeks, you'll have them on that grower diet. And you keep them on that grower diet until they're about, oh, 18 to 20 weeks of age. That might be when they start laying. So you'll you'll probably want to switch them at about week 16 to maybe, oh, week 18, 20 if it's a heritage breed. So, uh, and and I did actually hear this <laughs> I don't remember who provided me with this information but you don't give chickens a lay a layer diet to make them lay by giving them a layer diet it doesn't make them lay sooner or faster what you do is you give them a layer diet to prepare their bodies with the appropriate nutrient reserves so that when they do start laying they don't tire out their bodies needlessly or too early. So I, I actually never heard that perspective before. Maybe you have, Andy. But it's something good for your listeners to realize is that a layer diet doesn't make them lay. They're going to lay one way or the other. But you just want to give their bodies what they need to do it um, for an appropriate length of time without causing them undue stress. That's why we want to give them a balanced diet. Um, so if you're going to be dealing with um, birds that are, are mixed together accidentally, do your best to separate them out. Um, and honestly, I've seen people successfully take, you know, half of a a dog kennel, one of those plastic dog crates, and um, you know, tape them together and that's enough space for a couple of birds to manage, you know, and they don't need a top because they're not going to get out. Um, they manage in that just fine as long as they can get to their food and water. You might want to provide supplemental heat if you're doing this in a cooler time of year. Meat birds really slow down um, if it's if it's not warm enough. Um you know, they need really optimized conditions for their, their maximum growth. If you end up with a slow-growing bird, however, or even a medium-growing bird, 
they're going to be market ready about the same time as, like, say, um, a turkey hen or, say, a heritage breed uh, male bird. Um, should get a little more size to them, though. And so we're talking maybe about four months of age. So if you've ended up with a slow-growing broiler chicken, you may need to separate it out for much, much longer than, say, mm, the six or eight weeks for your broiler chicken. So just letting your broilers hang out with your um with your meat type chickens can be a little detrimental to their health and I I know that people mean to do right and they want their chickens to be happy but actually physically separating them and giving them the appropriate diet means that you're going to give them a much better quality of life um, letting them just hang out together and all eat the same um, starter diet means that you're your big bird's probably going to grow just a little bit faster and put on a little bit more fat than it's going to be comfortable with. That's not exactly fair um, since you know that you can get them the right diet um, at any local feed store. Um, you just may have to place an order. But there we go. I'll let you go into a commercial break, Andy. And I, I don't have the Internet up, so if you have questions, hopefully you can read them to me and we will go ahead and answer them. We'll do. That's a great timing. I was just thinking the same thing. So we will go to commercial break. Thanks for tuning in, folks. So we're talking with Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. We're talking all about really the main differences between raising meat birds and layers from uh, day-old chicks. And, uh, again, I've, I've seen folks, they'll comment on Facebook, oh, I just walked into the feed store and they had these last six broilers and they said they'd give them to me free if I would just take them so they could clean up the store and get rid of these once and for all at the end of the season. And so we've seen that or we've seen, oh, they had, you know, 12 left and they half off and they didn't know what they were. And I th- So there's always these scenarios and even folks that want to get meat birds on purpose and just haven't done the research and what they kind of need to do between raising the meat birds and the layers from bale chicks. This is valuable information. Tis the season right now with all the baby chicks in the stores, and we'll be back with more after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 
4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. How would you like a punch in the beak? All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today. Again, I'm back to you by our good friends over at Compact Beats, and our guest today is Dr. Bridget McRae, and we're talking all about really the differences between raising meat birds uh, and layers from uh, chick age, from those two or three days old. And we've already talked about many scenarios where that may happen. And so uh, we are back. And right now, no questions, Dr. McCray. Oh, okay. Well, one of the things that I was thinking about is um, equipment. And no matter what, I still think it's much easier for people to use uh, nipple drinkers, and they're also easy to adjust the height on. However, if you have two different sizes or two different heights of birds, you need two different sets of nipple drinkers. 
And a broiler chicken can easily go through um, water if you just have one or two. Um, just use a brood or bottle cap or something like that um, because they just need uh, a good supply of of water, and they'll go through quite a bit of water, but you just need to adjust it for them. Uh, but it doesn't need to be the majority of your watering devices. But they are pretty lazy, which means they may just sit there and try for the lower water, not get it into their mouth, and drip it all over to the shaving. And the rest of the bird's got to run around in it. So that's why I'm saying separate them. We all know, and we've talked about this several times, Andy, if you have wet shavings, then you very quickly have an ammonia problem. Um, you can end up with coccidiosis that would otherwise be, you know, negligible in your flock. Could be much worse than than the birds deserve to be dealing with at that age. So if you can just separate them, um, it's very easy to get, take a piece of, of wire, like chicken wire, or I've even seen people use um, clear plastic sheeting. Uh, I've seen people use um, not quite see-through, uh, but uh, this is going to make you laugh, but old political signs cut down to the right size to separate chicks in a coop. And um, what they'll do is they'll, they'll create a little slit at different heights in that so that the, the the larger broiler chicken can look through and hear and see its buddies next door and then they don't stress out. The only negative on that is that sometimes they lean up against the political sign and some of that color can rub off on their feathers, which isn't a big deal. Um, you don't want them to eat anything off of that sign, but um, you know, just having some of that ink rub off on their feathers, you know, it's not going to be, that's not a big deal. Um, and you know those core plast signs do actually come in a in a kind of a clear uh, color. So you know if you're looking for special plastic um, that's pretty sturdy, it's also disinfectable. You can put it in a bucket of water with some disinfectant and reuse it. Hope year after year. Hopefully you won't end up in the situation year after year, but still you know it's an option for you to use if you need it. I've got a question um, for you. Just popped mm, into my brain. A lot of people when they're starting out and we try to give them all the information not to use them, but a lot of people will use the traditional heat lamp and a heat lamp bulb, which of course not only produces heat, but it produces the light as well. Do you know of any studies, or is scientifically does it make sense that um, if somebody's using something like a sweeter heater that doesn't produce any light for their heat source and a light for a heat source like the good old-fashioned brooder lamps, um, and so it's it's basically dark at night and it's light during the day just from the natural light yeah. wherever they may have the brooder and the two birds. Would, how much would that affect, because I know it made me think about the traditional commercial grower houses, um, but would that, if you had a heat source without a light and they had that natural darkness for however many hours at night, would that slow down the growth of the um, broiler? No. It's okay. actually the last thing that I was going to talk about um, after some of the, the health problems, but that 
actually ties directly into the health problem. So, you know, hats off to you, Andy. Perfect segue. Um, ascites is an issue where fast-growing birds end up with a lot of fluid around their heart because their bodies are pushed so hard um, because somebody didn't manage the light well. And if you're using a light for warming your birds, um, they're going to respond to the light as well as the heat for growth. So you you really, really need to focus on um, managing the light to be, um, you know, no more than 16 hours a day for a broiler check-in and give them that dark period of maybe, you know, four hours here, another two hours, and then another two hours, or do the full eight hours. But they're going to need heat, absolutely, but they also need dark. Or they end up with a heart, they can end up with a heart condition. Common issue in backyard flocks because everybody goes with the cheap route of getting that um, brooder bowl. And it's great for starts, but, you know, if you end up with one of these meat chickens, go get yourself the small size of the sweeter heater and, you know, turn that light out and those chicks will end up having a better quality of life while in your care. Um, so to spell that for ascites, in case any of your younger listeners are out there looking for something to talk about in their end-of-year report or they're thinking of something for a poster presentation, ascites is spelled A-S-C-I-T-E-S. A-S-C-I-T-E-S. So, um, you know, if you're if you want to give these birds the best shot um, and and the best possible care until you're ready to process them, you're going to want to switch to, like, say, a sweeter heater heat source uh, over a light focused heat source. So there you go, Andy. That is cool. my um, short and sweet presentation today. Um, any other questions that you can think of? Not right off the bat. I'm glad it was it was great. I'm sure lots of listeners are going to get lots of value out of this episode. Not too long, straight to the point. A lot of information up front, and um, especially a lot of the newbies, I think, will get uh, a lot of great benefit from this, and, and, and because they may fall into that many scenarios that we talked about today. So I think it was great, short, sweet, concise, and and to the point. And when is, are you uh, heading to Delaware? Let's see. We're heading out Saturday morning, but I don't think I have any events in Delaware until the week after. No, I take that back. I maybe have one on Thursday. If you let me a second, I'll let everybody know. So uh, <laughs> com, and I'll go to my uh, tour page. I think we may – oh, and I was going to ask you too. It's, um, is there a – because my wife, she was working on the route and, and the whole nine yards and we're getting all this tour set up and um, going over to uh, um, Delaware and the Delmarva Peninsula. Uh, she, the way that uh, the MapQuest or whatever had her going, she showed it here, laptop, and says, um, is there a bridge here? Because just the road just kind of continued right across, I guess, the bay. And I said, you know, I think there's this 
big bay bridge. I think there's like two. There's a bridge a little bit further north, is there not, and one further south to get over to the peninsula. Is that correct? Down at the very tip of the peninsula is what's called the bridge tunnel. And that's like 17 miles long. And then halfway up the peninsula is called the Bay Bridge. It connects the peninsula with, like, say, Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. And then if you go all the way to the top, it just, it connects through highway or I-95. But, yeah, if you're going, if you're going, it doesn't matter which direction you're going, you're going to pay for the bridge tunnel um, mm-hmm. either direction, but if you're going eastbound, you're going to pay about 450 for the Bay, ton- uh, Bay Bridge. 450 yeah, that's These things I know. <laughs> so it looks like I'll be up there on a Thursday, uh, a week from yesterday. Um, no, a week from today. A week from today. A week uh, from today. 13. A week from today. Uh, T.G. Adams and Sons. Yes. Um, yes. And it's uh, 300 South Railroad Avenue in Bridgeville, Delaware. Yes. Make sure you find them on a map. <laughs> and they are right next to the railroad tracks. However, MapQuest wants to send you to a different part of the town if you're not paying attention. Ah, good to And know. I will tell you, Bridgeville, Delaware has the greatest antique shop I've ever seen. It's called the Bridgeville Antiques Emporium. And my brother almost cried when he heard I was moving away because he says, I always find the best deals there. And he always looks forward to it, but I'm not there anymore. Oh, well. You could easily spend three or four hours in this one antique shop. It's huge. However, I know you have small ones, and that's really not practical. Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of take together and, you know, don't touch and carry them on my back and yeah you know, don't touch of, and they see stuff that they want to touch i know <laughs> you break it you buy it exactly so, yeah um, that's when i'm going to be up there we've got virginia maryland delaware um let's see two in virginia one in maryland one in delaware three in connecticut and two in new york and one in pennsylvania so um i'm gonna have to make sure i take a take a jacket <laughs> No kidding. uh, An umbrella, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, golly. Well, we're going to be. Well, you have fun while you're there. And definitely while you're in the neighborhood, you need to do Longwood Longwood Garden, north of the Delaware border in Pennsylvania. And they probably will start to have the tulips come out, and it will knock your socks off. Very cool. Very cool. I actually, I just saw a question emailed to me while we were on the air, but I think we addressed it. Oh. Um, if, you get, if you get a chance, ask Dr. McRae, what are the heat needs? We kind of discussed that. What are the heat needs of the broiler chicks as opposed to the layers? You know, the typical 95 first week, five degrees less each week after that until they're five yeah. six weeks old. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we covered a lot about that. So, at least I had that question. I just saw it as I uh, Heat, not light. Over. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. All righty. So we answered it anyway without even seeing the question. So must be doing something right today. Well, thanks Your for joining us today. Your crystal ball must be doing a good job. It, it must be the, the medication, the, the Sudafed or the Benadryl or the <laughs> – yeah. So so think about me like, for the next four or five days as I get through whatever this is going to turn into be. And so uh, 
I think I'm just going to get as much work as I can get done right now because I know the next few days I'm So um, I think we're back on the 20th of April, and uh, I've already closed it. So we'll see where I'm at on that day. But, hey, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You take care. Bye, Andy. Bye-bye. So, uh, hey, that's going to wrap up another show. Hope you enjoyed it today. Hope you took lots of notes and uh, all this information was beneficial to you. Um, and, uh, hey, share with your friends the radio show broadcast, our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and don't forget to subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. That's chickenwhisperermagazine.com, and you can actually find us and get any information you'd ever want at chickenwhisperer.com. So uh, we'll see you back here next Thursday. God bless everybody.